Welcome to Calling Game. I'm Kelsey Trainer here with my co-host Amma Jagnarine. Hey everybody. So in spite of the sports world coming to a grinding halt, uh, the sports news hasn't necessarily stopped. From the debate about kind of when to start leagues up again to the stunning news that a big portion of the U.S. women's national team equal pay lawsuit was dismissed by a judge last week, there's a lot to talk about. So in a time where the sports world could use a lot of guidance and leadership, we thought it would be a great time to have on Christine Lilly, former U.S. women's national team player of 23 years, World Cup and Olympic champion, and author of the book, Powerhouse, 13 Teamwork Tactics that Build Excellence and Unrivaled Success. Thank you for joining us today, Christine. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I'm excited to be here and talk sports. Love it. And yes, that's where finally. That's- <laughs> Yeah, finally we're getting um, some sports content. Um, yeah, so uh, first of all, obviously it's an honor to have you. Um, you know, super decorated U.S. Women's National Team player, and just Kelsey and I are geeking out. Um, Global icon, yeah, for sure, icon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, how are you doing? Um, How is your family doing? I know we saw a puppy walk around earlier yeah. today um how's that guy doing what's what's going on with you guys in the going on? well I think not much different than others I mean you're you're trying to maintain um sanity first off now since it's been so long um and I got two girls so they're kind of doing some homeschooling and that's gone a little bit better than I thought <laughs> um they're actually going to the computer doing their work and um getting some stuff done and then gives me some time to clean the house and do whatever that because there's really not there's no downtime for anybody because once the kids are done with that then it's like outside play and um con- uh, constant being able to do some things we're lucky because we have a yard we can go outside get fresh air and we have a little bit more land around us so walking is uh is pretty easy and getting my workouts in to keep my mind uh, at ease uh, yeah, so shout out to the parents out there. I don't know yeah, how anybody kids is doing it. Homeschooling, not. It's just like, ugh, that's a lot. I, I think also the work, the ones that are still working from home, like um, I'm, I'm not working now because I usually travel, so none of that's going on. Um, so that's it's finding that balance and finding the time where you're doing your work and also with kids and making sure that they're handling this, understanding the situation. But kids are so like. They just bounce from one. They're thing. adaptable, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're so, so much more adaptable so than we are. Like that. So that's been great. And then having my dog around, just he's. I think he's overwhelmed. Like I was saying earlier, he's like, "Holy cow, we're going for another walk." I'm not ready to take a nap. And my husband's a firefighter, so he goes oh. and deals with other things that you know, we don't wow. see all the time. And um, but it's it's life, and this is what we're doing to push through. And hopefully, people stay um, healthy throughout the sun well thank uh your husband for all yes, that he does course. and we're glad to hear uh that you know the family's doing okay um i kind of want to i don't want to start by talking about your book i mean i know there's a lot of news kind of happening out there but we reached out to you before anything happened in the in the soccer world uh because i had been seeing your posts i was like all right i gotta get this book um <laughs> so i ordered it digitally and I'm reading it um and I was highlighting a bunch of stuff, you know, as you can do on a Kindle. And I'm like, wow, the sports world could use a lot of this right now, right? The leadership, the, um, all the tactics that are in it. Um, so given your 
you know, storied career, highly decorated. You've seen it all. You've done everything. Uh, you've achieved everything. What do you think is one of the major points from the book that you, that sports organizations or, or businesses um, could need to be applying today right now? Well, I think um, right now, I mean, is to keep pushing through and come together. And I think in a time where we can't come together, you know, we got to find ways to connect and uh, communicate. So, I mean, there's a lot of tactics in the book that we taught. I mean, there's communicate leadership, um, uh, continuity and doing the right thing, um, you know, setting your goals, all those things lead to success. But I think in a time like this, it's important that we communicate and come together and work together still and teamwork's a, a chapter in there. And, um, and the other element I think that's really important is to know your role because right now it could be a little bit different than it normally been. I mean, sales reps aren't going out and seeing people, you know, and they're seeing them on zoom calls, which is a totally different, you know, um, aspect for them because salespeople need to be like, you need to see the person and connect that way. So I think finding your, what your new role is right now and still know that everything you're doing is making a difference. It's mattering. It's helping your company. It's helping your family. Um, and you being that example, um, is important. Yeah. I saw, I think the CEO of uh, Airbnb issued like this statement today, um, or yesterday. And it was like just the leadership that is so important right now. Um, and you see some, I think this time is so telling, like you see the companies and the organizations that are doing what's right, like doing the right thing. Um, and you see others that don't. And I think it's really telling from a business standpoint of, you know, who is doing what, and people are seeing that. I mean, people aren't going to forget that like Shake Shack gave back all the millions of dollars that they got, um, because they could get it elsewhere where you have small businesses struggling, uh, to stay afloat. I think it's funny when you talk about the um, companies doing things right. I mean, I think about early in the chapters, um, we talk about setting the foundation and my coach Anson, who was my coach at North Carolina as well, but the first, um, world cup champion coach. And he said, you know, he set down our foundation, what it was going to be. So the players knew and you, you into it. You're then I think now with what we're and setting their expectations of the employees and the employees buying into it because obviously it's an uncomfortable situation we're all in. So they have to, you'd be like, okay, you know, this is our new game plan. Now let's start to stick to it. It really makes a difference um, in helping in this time. <clears throat> yeah, it definitely does. Um, so, so, you know, like this is obviously such an uncertain time for companies, but also, you know, for for athletes, um, you know, none of them are, are working. None of them are able to play their sports and, you know, a lot of leagues are, are doing the right thing and are maybe foregoing their salaries or, um, you know, donating to relief efforts and stuff like that. But, you know, on an athlete's level, it's, it's, this is probably a time where a lot of them are thinking about, you know, what's next, like their life after sports, like something like this could happen and end my career, something like this could happen and put everything that I know on pause. Um, and for you, you know, you had such a, a long and illustrious career. Um, at what point did you start thinking about, all right, well, what, what next? Because I'm not going to have soccer forever. And, you know, my body is not going to function this way forever. Yeah. What do I do after that? 
you know, it, it's, it's a hard time. And I think it's a little bit easier when you have control, when you decide when your time's up. And I think a lot of uh, people right now, I mean, especially as seniors in high school and seniors in college, if they're spring sports, you know, lacrosse, softball, baseball, they're not being able to play. And that's, that's hard. It's, it's not hard. Like you don't have money, you don't have food hard, but it's yeah. different hard. It's relative to, you know, what they're doing. And, um, and that takes a lot of a mental strength and uh, finding the people around you that are supportive, your family, your friends. Um, I've been doing a, a, a bunch of Zoom calls with some soccer teams, um, uh, universities, and and just giving them some hope. Hey, we've, we're all going in through this together. You're not the only one that's, uh, you know, isolated. So, you know, we have to remember misery loves company. <laughs> and I think what we used to run, run fitness you know, running fitness by yourself stinks, but when you have your team running fitness, you're like, all right, I got my team around me. So I think surrounding yourself with the right people to help you through the hard times and realize there is another step. There is another stage. There is another um, part of your life that is going to be great. Um, you may not feel it right at the time, but you know, it's out there. And when I, when I retired in 2010 or December to 10, January 11, um, I found out I was pregnant with my second child. So it kind of gave me another thing, a little bit easier because I was like, okay, I'm having a baby. This is great. <laughs> not just, you know, quitting and then like twiddling my thumbs. And I already had a, a two-year-old at the time. Um, but it, it's been hard. And I think um, I played 23 years and to find that um, love for something besides my family is really hard. And uh but once again, you do find it at workouts, mom groups, we do different things, or you find your uh, glory watching your kids do sports. So there's different avenues that you now you have to realize that are going to be substituting for the love you had for the game. I can't even imagine being a world-class athlete and then having to be done sport. Like I played sports in college, you know, I'm still out in my driveway. I sprained my ankle this weekend because I think that, you know, I'm Elena <laughs> Deladon. driveway? I was playing basketball. I think I'm Elena Deladon and I have weak ankles. I got a smooth jump shot, but weak ankles. And I sprained my ankle. It's black and blue. Like can't, you know, I can't imagine being an elite athlete. And then that transition from playing sport, which, you know, you love so much at that level to, you know, what's next. I mean, it's, it's a hard transition. It's well, you know, what's funny is like people are like, Oh, do you play, do you play soccer at all now? And I'm like, no. And the only time I play, we do, I do camps. We do team first soccer Academy camps with Mia Ham from the national team and Tish Venturini, who both I play at a college with as well. And we travel around and teach the kids soccer. And then, you know, if we have two camps, sometimes we have back to back, we have a little break or lunch and we play pickup. And that's the only time I'll play. And Mia and Tish have to be on my team. So we play, we have our, the rest of our staff, our, our young staff, we call which are late twenties, early thirties. And they're quicker, but sometimes the first game we play with them, it's great. We're like, okay, we're scoring, we're, we're finishing. Then the second day, if we decide to play, we can barely move. <laughs> so, and the other part of it is like, if I was to play on a, in a league, I would get, it would get not good because A, I won't be able to do what I used to do. So I would be like already mad. <laughs> I'd start being like, oh, we'll just have fun. And then I'll start to get competitive. Right. So competitive. <laughs> that, that competition never goes away. No, it doesn't. And three, someone on the other team or whatever, like, oh, I'm going to take out this old time, you know, World Cup champion. You know, or so, you know, something. Yeah. Still, you, know, you get targeted. There, yeah. There's too many, too many elements in there. So I just stick with playing, coaching kids and playing with them on the field. 
So yeah, I could I could really use I think some of that um, advice that, <laughs> advice. Because, like, I I played D three softball for four years, and you know before that I um I played like really anything, uh, mostly infield. In my later years, I trans transitioned into an outfielder, but you know I played my whole life, and then I played in in college, and in my senior year, I was like, hey, what the hell do I do now? Like. I, yeah. I, this is my whole life and, and I don't know what, and I, I, I took that and I was like, I'm, I'm joining a men's league, um, coaching, um, doing all this stuff. I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not. Yeah. Amba still plays baseball and she'll come into work with just bruises from being at the batting cages or or being out with friends. I think that's, but that's good because you know, it's still part of what you love. Yeah. So I think also when you see, everyone transitioning whatever level it may be high school to college college to so like if you love something you got to still do it don't cut don't cut something just because it's not an organized or it's not the level if you still love it you got you got to get out there and, and do it because that's going to keep you happy um obviously you have to make a living in the same yeah. sense, but keep you happy and a side note baseball was my first love growing up and i thought yes. i was going to play second baseman for the new york yankees <laughs> I, I thought I was going to play shortstop for the New York Yankees. Yeah, I loved Willie Randolph. This was before your time, but Willie wow. Randolph was second base, and I loved I know, really, yeah. Um, so, and then I thought I was going to play, I wanted to play softball in college, but I couldn't because national. I made the national team. And yeah. Other, well, <laughs> other, other opportunities. <laughs> yeah, in, in my transition, I, to, to baseball, because, you know, I've been playing softball my whole life, but, um, never once caught like never was a catcher in softball my entire life now in baseball I decided I want to be a catcher no way that's why I come into work with she people. comes into work with bruises yeah, and... that's crazy <laughs> it's crazy it's wild but it's so, I mean, right know. field I would have thought like right field you're just out there like hey maybe I'll catch a fly ball <laughs> right hopefully nothing comes to me today yeah. <laughs> Okay. Word of advice: Stay with it and uh, wear your ankle yeah. braces as well. Yeah, wear your ankle brace. I like that. Uh, all right, I'm gonna uh, transition a little bit to some sports news right now. Um, yeah. So, as you know, last uh, was Friday, the judge came down in the U.S. Women's National Team equal pay lawsuit and dismissed uh, a big portion, the compensation uh, aspect of the case, on summary judgment. Um, I've been doing a lot of legal analysis for places on it. So I've read through it and, you know, read through it again. Um, but I will have to say like when I got that email Friday that a decision came down, like it was a blow. I I couldn't write anything until the next day after having read through everything and and really seeing where we're, where the case is at, um, and next steps and, and best possible kind of scenarios, you know, that has softened the blow a bit, but it took me a bit to kind of get used to it and the decision. So I have to ask what your reaction has been, um, you know, and your thoughts on it. You know, from being on the team early on when we were just fighting to get paid um, to where we are now, it just gets a little draining and just that we keep having to fight, you know, the fight. Obviously there's a lot of elements and you probably understand the lawsuit and know more about it than I do. I mean, I have, I've lived it through the parts that we went through but specifically what equal pay they're meaning because obviously they've talked about the cba and how they were offered one that same as men but then the women wanted more you know um financial upfront money to be able to pay everyone because they weren't making money from their 
um, professional teams. So there's a lot of different elements, but it is, it's a little frustrating. I think the, I think obviously if you take the emotion out of it and look at it on the legal side, it probably makes some sense and understanding. Um, but when you look at what they've done and the impact they've had and the success that, that, that they have, we have had, um, it's like, what, what's going to give here? And I, part of it that's sometimes frustrating is what people or maybe people do realize or the law system doesn't really care about is the women to make the money that they we had in the past, we always had to win. Right. So if we didn't win, we weren't getting, we were getting paid pickles. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we had, we had the bonus structures of, okay, so if you win this, then you get that. If this, then you get that. So I think that's the part that's frustrating that it's, and if the men, and not making a men and women thing, but the men's contract, if, if they actually made it to the quarterfinals, they got a whole bunch of money. But our expectation right. was to win. So that that's kind of the the part that's hard. And I think, you know, we our goal is always to win, always to, you know, win the ultimate prize. So it's your bar it, higher. Hmm? It's your bar higher. Yes. Right. And it so, turns out all you guys do is win. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I think the part is like, where it's going to get. But then you have you know, then you look at the marketing world and marketing world doesn't matter who wins marketing world, depending on who's mark more marketable than the next. So there's all those elements, but I felt for the girls. I think the girls um, have done a good job um, on the field, doing their job, winning this last world cup. And I think uh, uh, the fans are behind them. And I think just finding the right nuance to get to the next stages. And now with Cindy Parlow as the president, I mean, she understands a bit more of both sides. She still has to figure out, you know, the best elements for us soccer in general. But I think things are going to move move better with new um, people in U.S. soccer. And hopefully they can come to an agreement wherein they can put this aside and just focus on playing. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. U.S. soccer's statement after the ruling was had a different tone, I thought, than yeah. than anything else. And I mean, I, I, didn't, hear, I didn't hear it really. What was what was they? What, what was there? It was kind of just like uh, you know, we we got the ruling come down. Uh, we are their U.S. women's national team is the best soccer team in the world and you know we want to work together and um yeah it, it was just a different tone like you know yeah. because they can't celebrate because you know they've no. lost the court of public opinion a long time ago yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's what's so interesting is like you know the women everywhere it doesn't matter what set, kind of where you're at if you're playing in sports if you're it's so relatable and you talk about kind of like the the how it's gotten to here right right now the they're just the most successful team of all time, you know, bringing in more revenue than the men at the end of the day. Um, but it's like, when you look back at the negotiations and the, the steps, it's like uh, a friend of mine said a, a scenario. It's like, well, if you're at a stadium and one person is starting out in the parking lot, another person is starting out on first base, are you really like starting at the same place from a negotiation standpoint or um, even just women's sports in general? And so I think that's the hard part um, to, gra to, to grasp and even legally, like understanding what, uh, happened, it still doesn't take away the fact that like us soccer did, they argued, or the, the women argued like, Hey, the only reason we were paid more is because we won. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it's just, it doesn't, it logically, you're like, just doesn't really check out. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No. Um, yeah. but, you know, relatable, <laughs> super yeah. relatable. Um, you know, I, I just want to uh, go back to the topic of, of 
those first, um, that first portion of your book that you were talking about earlier, those four pillars um, that your book is kind of centered on, which right. is for anyone who hasn't read it, transform, empower, achieve, and motivate. Right. Um, and then you have a final tactic mm. called doing what's right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's super timely right now, considering, you know, we're kind of pleading U.S. soccer to, to do what's right um, in the equal pay lawsuit. And, you know, in the book, you talk about um, before the 96 Olympics, when when you and eight other teammates um, refused to go to training camp mm. over pay inequity in, in, in your contracts. And because of women like you and, you know, all of these women that have kind of paved the way for, for the women now that are playing, you guys have obviously made such huge waves um, and there have been improvements, but obviously there needs to be more, you know, as we see with this lawsuit. Um, but how much does U.S. soccer need to do the right thing right now? Well, I think I think they're going to start to do the right thing. I think that's what what the new leadership they have in there. I think it's going to start to change, and that's going to be promising. And I think, and um, that was that was huge. It's huge to have Sydney in there is huge. Um, and U.S. soccer. I mean, it's not just the men's and women's national teams that they got. They got all the feeder teams and the grassroots growing the game. So there there are elements. But I think I was listening to Julie Foudy's, um comments yesterday on Twitter and, you know, saying she heard one of her suggestions is you know, the men's and women's teams just split equally and then decide where you're going to do with your money. So I think once you can get that decided on the, the level of there, then they can start to um, separate the monies and then organize the grassroots programs. But I think the leadership will change. I think things um, start doing the right thing are going to happen. I think you start to see that a little bit more in society. However, I think there's a lot more that companies aren't doing the right thing. You know, they're doing things to make money. And I think we've gotten, we've gotten away from really what the purpose is of what your job is um, and to serve people. And I think that's what's been so refreshing on the national team is every time we've done a stage of, you know, fighting for something, it wasn't just for the group that was fighting. It's always for the next group coming up and doing what was right. And so that's, that's really why the theme of the whole book was so important for me to get in there because you have to remember that it's not about just you, it's about a bigger picture. And I think if we all start to realize that in everything we do, we're going to do, we're going to take care of each other better. I love that. And that was definitely the message and the, the tone that I received in, in reading your book. Um, <clears throat> I will say I'm, I started reading your book and I got to page four and I'm reading it now. I know that's like just not a lot to start, but I was like, page <laughs> okay. four. I was like page four and I was like, okay, where does failure come in? Like I put a note in my book saying, where does failure come in? Cause we're talking about, you know, you being so successful and, and everyone being so successful. I think it's oftentimes one of the things that's glossed mm -hmm. over in the road there. So then flash forward to page 185. This is the digital version for anyone. Um, <clears throat> out there 185 and you talk about minimizing adversity in states when an interviewer asked a well-respected professor who the best teacher he ever had was his answer was failure so we, we we got to it and it obviously reading through you know page four um you know that 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 resonated um but what is something like what is a failure that you recall that was the biggest teacher for you oh well i think there uh, i think what's ironic in this whole uh, thing with the national team is the early days. So we didn't have a lot of training camps or this, we were training on our own most of the time. 
Um, we were successful. I mean, like the team is now, the team is very <laughs> successful. But everyone back in the day was like, oh, you, you win everything. It's just so easy. And you guys never lose. And I'm like, you know what? We lose every day in practice. So my failures were every day in training. It wasn't that, you know, the World Cups, Olympics. It was every day in training. And I think that's what made us so strong. Because when we stepped out on the field, whether it was practice, a friendly, a World Cup, it was the same amount of we were putting into it. And we pushed each other so much in training um, to make sure that the final stage we were successful but you sh every day in practice we failed and I think the I was talking about this I was on a, a zoom call and Anson Dorrance the coach of the team early on was on it and uh we're I was telling him the story I was like we had this 4v4 tournament so that's one of the greatest small side games for soccer you touch the ball a lot it's a small field it's just fun but I was rooming with Julie Thotty Carla Overbeck um me and then Karen, um, Karen Jennings Uber at the time, she's the coach at Naval Academy right now. And we played a four four tournament. We were all captains, so we got to pick our team. We played the tournament round robin, so four games, and my team ended up in winning, and none of those players were on my team. So we drove to practice together, and then we drove home together. You could have heard a pin drop in that car ride. No one was speaking to me. <laughs> Not at all. So I just was just like, just keep it calm. They'll come around, let them, let them get over the four before. And we started making lunch and it took a little like 10 minutes and finally like, Lil, we know you won. And I was like, okay, I, I just didn't say anything. But that just showed how we hated losing. You know, and so we were making sure everything we did was to limit that happening, limiting our failures. However, those failures were the biggest lessons. Like that 4 before, they knew how much it hurt. The 95 World Cup, we lost in the semifinals. That never left me. 2000 Olympics, we lost in the final in overtime. So those moments, I think, failing teach us so much because we remember. And we seem to remember failures more than we remember successes. And it, and it, whether it's a pain you don't want to feel or, um, a mistake you don't want to make, you, you train to not do that later. And I think that's how we grow and that's how we, we become more successful in what we choose to do. That's it. That's the tweet. Mic right drop. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> um, um, you know, they say like, don't meet your heroes or never meet your heroes. But I don't think enough people like have women's sports heroes because mm -hmm. everyone that I've met in the women's sports world, like I nerd out, like, geek out talking to you to anybody that we've talked to. Um, and so I will just say like, you know, follow women's sports, man. Like, yeah, that's where it's at. You won't be disappointed. You won't. No. And I think what's funny when you say that they, you don't get to, I mean, when you see them, you're so grateful because we don't, they're not, we're not seen, you know, we're not seen like the male athletes. They're on TV all the time. I mean, there is more, I'm saying that definitely there's more women's sports, <laughs> but if you, if you don't see us, you know, you're not going to believe it. You know, you're not going to be able to achieve it. So that's why one of the big things is we need to be seen. We need to be visible in, in every aspect. And then when we are visible, that's when people need to come support, you know, the WNBA, NWSL, um, this, they have softball leagues. I know, um, fast yeah, pitch. Pro fast yeah. pitch yeah. So we just, just got to support. And because in the end, we all can relate to each other on every, pretty much everything. <laughs> Similar, yeah, everything. You know, I can't relate to being a world champion, but I can relate, no, no, no. you know, to to going out and trying to show up some young kids in the in the schoolyard. <laughs> you can relate to winning and losing. You've done both, so you can you relate know. to failure, right? Can relate to you know, being <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> 
you're not getting paid (laughs) right super so um Kelsey I don't know I don't know if, if you had any other questions but um, I wanted to end on one last um, <clears throat> kind of fun thing from a friend who is a UNC alumni. Um, on. Go heels. Who, <laughs> who played uh, field hockey um, in the women's team at, and they recently won championships. Awesome. Um, yeah, they're really, really great. Uh, she was a goalie there and she recently got asked to come back and coach. Um, but she wanted to know what uh, it was like playing for Anson. I know we mentioned him a bunch of times. Yeah. What it was like playing for him at, in a collegiate level and then again yeah. at at uh, the pro level. Right. Well, I think she, I mean, Karen Shelton, still a coach and was her coach at North Carolina for uh, field hockey. Um, I think Karen and Anson have probably been there similar time, similar she she talks about her all the time, like what a legend she is. She's yeah, like, so how she, to get her on the podcast. In, the, in a sense, um, I think she's very similar to what Anson's done for soccer there that she's done for field hockey. And I think she's had similar mentalities. And Anson was the same, pretty much the same um, at the college and on the national team. I think a little difference is obviously the element of the education side of him. But he cared about the full person, uh, whether you're on the national team or, or North Carolina. Um, and he created an environment where he let you be you. Um, he created a co- competitive environment where we would compete against each other to be better. Um, but then also create an environment <laughs> where we cared about each other. So those elements too, that's all in the book as well. Um, that talk about it. How do you, especially girls, how do you create an environment where you're competitive and then obviously off the field, be still get along. <laughs> and that's not, that's not easy. Winning helps. I have to say that. <laughs> it's a delicate balance. Um, but he was so great in that. And, uh, and I think when I stepped on the field with him as my coach, I always felt like I was the best or we were the best that, you know, he had that element of great motivational speaker, um, back in the day, our pregame speeches were always like, okay, here's the X's and O's. And then you're waiting for Anson's philosophical things. Cause he loved to read and he quoted so many things. Um, so he was just, he was just so great in that aspect. And I think he had the, the luxury of having the national team and the college team. So college team, maybe he tried some things and he tried the national team and the national team tried the same thing as they were for college. Um, and was just, it was just great and such a success, um, on the field. And I think the other part of the college that was great is, you know, he set goals for yourself, you'd have meetings and like, okay, what do you want to accomplish on the field? And let's, let's accomplish what you want with your education as well. So the total package was always what he cared about. Um, the person almost. And the other thing is funny about him. Everyone always thought like winning was such a big deal. Like Anson, he loved winning, but he's like, okay. He treated winning and losing the same way. You didn't see a different Anson when we lost or was it like, Oh, what with you guys? How did you not win? It was always like, so um, I think that was a refreshing thing as well. That's important. Like I remember, you know, coming off of a loss after a softball game and being like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with my coach right now. Yeah. Like, she's going to tear into us. Went wrong. <laughs> you know, you, know <laughs> you don't have to be told that he stunk that day. Right. Right. Yeah. right? So I we think that, it's like as an athlete, you just know, like you, you, you're like your own biggest critic yeah. for the most part. I had yeah. a, Go ahead. This is one thing that now that I'm coaching, it is really hard. It's hard to find that balance of coaching the players. It's hard yeah. 
to be not say the obvious. It's hard to motivate them and, and take away their pain because you, as a coach, you can't do anything but talk. You can't play. Right. And that's one of the hardest things for me because I was a leader as more by example. So I'm like trying these, these elements of coaching are not as easy as some great coaches make it look. <laughs> I used to, I used to coach college basketball before I went to law school and I take it back to like my high school coach. Who's like the same, like that mentor, like, you know, I still call her coach. She's still my phone as coach. And I just remember being a player. Right. And I, there was one game where the, the ball was on the floor and I, instead of diving on the floor, I reached down for it. So back and forth, you know, she's yelling at me the whole time. She's like, Kelsey, you should have been down on the floor for that. Like, you know, screaming at this, you know, big high school gym, this and that. And at one point I was like, I know, like, right. Like I'm my own biggest critic. I know I should have, that should have been our ball. I should have been down the floor. So once she's, you know, 10 minutes later, the same thing, she's still kind of saying the same thing to me. So I just run past her and I go like this, <laughs> two thumbs up <laughs> to this day. I have not lived that down. She's like, I stood there and I looked to our assistant coaches and we're like, did she just give me two thumbs up? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know how else to tell you that. Like, I got it, man. Like I knew I messed up. I knew I should have been on the ground for that. And then, you know, later being a coach, I could totally relate to her just like, ah, you know, you should have been down there, but yeah. it's tough. It's, it's really tough because yeah. you got the player side, but then you're just like, you know, come on, I see all this potential, <laughs> but two thumbs up word of advice. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that, do that to no. the coach, you know, unless you want to laugh about it 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh a lot about things later, so. Right. Um, well, we so appreciate you coming on. We're going to link your, um, your book. Um, everyone go out and read it if you haven't already. Um, you know, we've, you're, geez, if I could have a resume as accomplished as yours, world champion, author, co, I mean, just, you know, everything. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's the and, mic and, drop and, itself. And still trying to figure everything out, too. <laughs> <laughs> and add relatable to the list. Exactly. Relatable. Humble. Uh, what else? Yeah, humble. Meet your heroes, people. Yeah, meet uh, your heroes thanks. if their names are Christine Lilly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, you can listen to this episode and other episodes on Spotify, iTunes, um, wherever you get your podcast, um, and follow us and Christine on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. All we the socials. Facebook, but, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll link Christine to all of our, all of our posts. So Christine, thank you so much for coming on and we wish you the best and, um, hope you and your family stay healthy during these crazy times. Same to you guys. Thanks again, you guys. 